In this episode, I'm honored to share my conversation with Rosie Pollock. She is one of those people who brightens up any space. She's like a spark from a firecracker, a ray of sunshine, and a joyful giggle all rolled up into one. She is extremely talented, generous, and the founder of Chronic Oasis, a community where humans who love and care for chronically ill family members reinforce, remember, or redefine who they are. She was gracious enough to come on and share her lived experience. I found it moving insightful, and at times entertaining. I hope you do too. Welcome to the Good Human Project Podcast. I'm your host, Mariana Norton. This is a community for good humans striving to be better and do better. Open your ears, heart, and mind as we explore the tapestry of human experience through brave conversations. Good Human isn't a destination, it's a journey, and I'm honored to have you along for the ride. Let's jump in. Rosie, I'm really excited to have you here today to join me for a conversation about what it's like to be you in the world. If I could make any food from anywhere in the world, magically appear for you to enjoy right now what would you choose and why oh my gosh I'm just gonna share the first thing that comes to mind because I immediately got something and it's not what I would have expected it's an Icelandic dessert called vina tarta it's a cake and I believe it has like prunes in it and stuff which I don't normally gravitate toward but tastes really good and my grandma makes a really mean dish out of that so it would be that is grandma your why then when i was a little girl i really loved this food my grandpa is actually the icelander full icelander in the family and so i think maybe it's a little more connected to him he was a wonderful man i've actually never heard of it so i will look it up and i will find a picture and make sure that i put that in the description since this is the good human project the first official question that I would love to have you chime in on is what do you believe it means to be a good human? Ooh. See, here's the thing. Like two minutes ago, I told your wonderful podcast host not to prime me for these questions. And I'm glad I said that because I knew she'd have some great ones and I wanted to be surprised. So to me, what makes a good human? Oh my gosh, there are so many qualities, but a number one quality is a human who is fully expressed in every facet of their lives. And when I say fully expressed, I mean, sure, there's a surface level approach to that, like wearing what we want to wear, that type of thing. But it goes way deeper than that. Making choices that we want to make, being involved in initiatives that are close to our hearts and really, really living through our values. Now, all of this to say, there could be some not so good humans being fully expressed. So I want to add a caveat to this. There are a few more traits I would include in addition to full expression being kindness, compassion, generosity, a caring approach toward others. Some of the best humans I've met have this extraordinary ability to continuously see the world with curiosity and wonder. 
And so their choices are reflective of that, which is pretty cool. What I love about asking that question is how nuanced and different it is for everybody. And fully expressed is something that had never entered my mind. But then in hearing you say that, because like part of me at first thought, well, there are some people who live under oppressive systems that don't feel like they can be fully expressed because I was, my brain went to it being one thing. And then hearing you describe it, it's so much bigger. It's beautiful. I love that. Isn't that so great that Every guest will have at least a slightly different answer to that question, which obviously poses so many more questions. So I'll stop with my reaction now. (laughs) I just think that's a really cool insight. The way that you framed it was absolutely beautiful. So then to dig a little bit deeper into Rosie, who are you in the world? How would you define yourself? Mm. Oh, what a juicy question. I'm going to say that there are a few more obvious parts of me that can be defined. And then there are the sort of the hidden gems, if you will. First of all, I am a musician. I will prove that point by singing very quickly for you now. Here you go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear listener. Happy birthday to you. Someone's got to have a birthday who's listening. Well, on behalf of that person, thank you. And (laughs) bravo. Or, you know, maybe there's a family member who's celebrating a birthday and you can replay a little bit of this clip for him. So a musician, that is true. I'm also a music teacher. And that's interesting that I shared that first because most people don't actually know that part about me that I teach music as well. Um, But I do. And I love that. Beyond that, I am also a chronic caregiver. So I take care of my mama S. She has multiple sclerosis and a clinical depression diagnosis. So that's certainly part of who I am, too. But beyond all of this stuff, I would say that I'm someone who loves to laugh, really appreciates good humor, like good sweet humor, but also pretty sassy, salty humor. That can be fun, too. I've got just got a little smile from the host, so she knows what I mean. And beyond all that, I'm somebody who really yearns for discovery. I learned at a very young age that uncertainty is part of the human experience. And with that comes an extraordinary potential to experience life with new eyes, new peepers every morning because we don't know. I mean, there's some really rough parts to the uncertainty. I'm sure everybody listening can think of like 5, 10, 15, maybe more right now. But there's also the flip side to it, which is pretty rad if you ask me. So I'm somebody who exists this way now. I'm 31 years old and it took a bit of time to get there. And really, I think what happened was I experienced a few significant events in my life 
that reoriented my direction. And if you would have talked to me, number one, I would not have been on a podcast like this six, seven, ten years ago. Not a chance, if that says anything, because I wouldn't have been open to the idea. I, I just would have been like, this is not something I'm thinking about right now. I've got other things. I'm like in my early 20s, I'm trying to trying to date and go to college and explore life's ups and downs and I'll make a few mistakes too. Mistakes, aka learning. Rosie is somebody who wakes up and she is very curious about what the day will bring. And that's something I've never said really before. But yeah. It's beautiful. And it's such an interesting perspective with the last couple of years that we've come through. You've experienced uncertainty for an extended period of time. And if I've heard you correctly, that you know that every moment is uncertain. Correct. And that for a vast majority of people who've just come through the last few years with COVID, that type of un visceral uncertainty where it's really clear. I think logically most of us know that we can feel comfort in a perceived certainty. Yeah. But that it's not real. We do know that not every day is going to be sunny, that there's going to be rain, but we don't focus generally that that chance of rain exists on a beautiful day. And if I'm hearing the way that you framed that flip side of uncertainty, it really is that ability to soak up the sun when it's out and really sit with knowing that there will be rain and there could be rain at any moment and like basking in those moments of beautiful. Yeah, I love the way that you summarized that up. It's exactly right. It's funny. If you if you were to watch me right now, my head's flopping around. And I'm thinking, but I'm interrupting myself because I realize there's another thought that's maybe more important here for me to share. So my mom was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when I was 10 years old. And what that meant at the time in my case was a very quick growing up process. And because of that, I started to learn what I think is one of my life's lessons, which is to experience life the way that our incredible podcast host just shared. There are there are chronic illnesses that are highly unpredictable and multiple sclerosis is one of them. And so it's not so much like, oh, one day I feel this, another day I feel that sometimes. Sometimes it's more like one day I feel, one hour I feel this, another hour I feel a different way. It, the changes can be very quick. And so I'm certain that that has informed my perspective on curiosity and on relishing in all of life's goodness. And I will also fully acknowledge that I believe this perspective has helped a lot during COVID. So we can go into that more if you'd like, but yeah. Just want to share that. I appreciate you sharing that. And it's leading me to a secondary question on that because I feel anybody who's listening can hear the beautiful lightness that you have in your voice and the way you talk and the sense of humor, all those things dealing with chronic illness and really focusing on that word chronic. There's a lot of people who have felt that their existence has really been dampened by COVID, but it's not a permanent for as far as the I can see visceral part of your existence forever where chronic illness is. Yeah. How have you formed that ability to, again, from the outside, it appears ability to balance the heavy 
with the light because hearing you talk about that being a 10 year old and it being a parent, there's just a way that we hold our parents in a certain light, in a certain way that they exist in our world that must have shifted. And then hearing you talk about MS specifically, it sounds like it can almost be like whiplash from moment to moment. Do you feel comfortable sharing a little yeah. bit about the heavy and the light and how you manage? Yeah. yeah, I do. The answer is over time, I've learned through opposites. So there have been some what one might call more extreme situations that have happened in my life. And those have been, when I say extreme, I mean very painful, rough, rough, bad, 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 zero out of 10. But also like, on the flip, lots of lessons out of these later. Time is incredible for that. Through these, I guess, I'll, I'll call these milestone moments after that moment had passed. Every time I would experience anything even close to something good, it wasn't just good. That's what changed. It was unbridled in its exhilaration because I'd felt the opposite so fully. And so I started to learn, oh, wait a sec, contrast. Like there can be these moments that are effing horrible, like really, really rough. But then after I experienced those and something that, I don't know, somebody walking around on the street who hasn't experienced some of these milestone moments before might be like, whatever, this is mundane. This is kind of nice. This is cool this is happening for you but it's not a big deal those not a big deal more subtle things become really important and wonderful and so once i realized oh my gosh there's this duality in life i started to look forward to the flip of the hard stuff because i know that it is on the other side at some point often i can't predict it nine times out of ten again unpredictability hello my friend. But I think that really having that reinforced multiple times in my life is why I can sit here, have fun with you today, really sit into this conversation and be present because it's one of those wonderful things that I look forward to. You know, So that has a lot to do with it. In terms of the sort of whiplash approach, yeah, especially at the beginning part of my journey, I felt that when I was a little girl. It's complicated because children just, I, not all children, but I specifically didn't fully understand what was going on. And I was unable to articulate that at the time. I wasn't great at expressing the emotions that were behind my actions because I didn't fully understand what they were yet. So I think that being a child, that's sort of another, another part of this altogether. But as I grew older, the whiplash started to fade because, frankly, this became just my chill reality. This just became part of my lifestyle. And when you expect unpredictability, it's just simpler. Unpredictability can become more mundane, which sounds so bizarre. But when you experience it all the time, repetition really I'm sure there's some neural pathways in my noggin that have changed over the years. First off, thank you for like sharing that. And to use that whiplash moment there, it does sound like over the journey, it's almost like there's been a strengthening around the muscles that help support in order to be able to weather 
what has become the baseline of existence. Yeah. There's still that back and forth. I'm almost like I'm making this windshield wiper motion from like wheels on the bus anyway. But there's this back and forth and it's not so quick anymore. Like it's just more gentle back and forth, even when things are happening quickly. It's interesting. You had the back and forth of the wipers as like the visual yeah. that you're you're physically doing with your hand yeah. was seeing. <laughs> and then what it what came to mind for me, which you'll have to tell me whether this resonates with you at all, is like I taught my daughter how to drive and it was a standard and it was like trying to find the right gear and it being that like grating sound. Yeah. And then over time being able to smoothly shift between those different gears as we're mm. moving forward. Yeah. This human in front of us is really good at analogies. <laughs> so I will support this very much yeah i love that and by the way i actually know how to drive standard too so i totally know what you're referring to going back to what you had just shared a question that came up in my mind was for people who haven't had to deal with this and i would almost put at the end yet because i feel yeah. like for anybody who's on this earth long enough who has people that they love around them there is a chance that at some point they are going to enter the world of being a caregiver for somebody that has a chronic illness. But do you think that if you were to think about your experience and the people that are in your circle that you're connected to that are facing something similar, is it that other people who don't have these experiences around uncertainty and the shifting live in a state of numbness to the beauty and the pain or that going through this and existing in this way heightens your radar where you're just more attuned to the things that are constantly occurring around us? Mm. Great question. I would say the latter because pre-diagnosis, little girl Rosie experienced some wonderful moments and some not so wonderful moments as well. And I could still feel joy. But you're right. The sensation heightens, basically, when there is prolonged experience, <laughs> prolonged uncertainty, and multiple instances of not so rad situations. Great question. It's interesting because a lot of our discussion has been about your journey from 10-year-old Rosie to where you are today. In your journey from naive child to the human you are today, what are the moments that stand out to you that helped shape how you see the world? <sighs> That's interesting. I was just thinking about this earlier. So my mom is, as I've mentioned, has clinical depression. And at a certain time in her life, that led to her trying to unalive herself. And there was about two years after that, I will transparently say that I was in a heightened trauma state at this time. But I went to a conference in good old California. It was so beautiful there. But I heard someone speak about having been in a major car accident and right before that car accident, they had not had much interest in wanting to continue to live either. And he spoke about his journey, how he went from that 
accident to where he is now. And actually, that was pivotal for me to start to look at my life again and to go, hey, just because our stories aren't totally the same, but we've got some similarities here that I need to assess. And so that instance had me just consider what life could be like if it were a little less challenging. I didn't go straight to gratitude. A lot of people talk about that. There's a huge gratitude discussion. Look, I'm a fan of gratitude, but when you have, for me, I'm not going to say when you, that's not fair because there are so many humans listening to this and we've all got different experiences. But in my case, when I went through this, I could not go from suicide attempt to being grateful for life. No, that's a jump. That's that's a flight, man. What that conference did, though, was it just took me just a hair. It was like a like a movement, a centimeter long movement toward can I consider life being less painful? Can I just consider that thought? Because I will say post that event with my mom, I was, you know, you referred to a, a numbness. That's where I was. I had just shut off my emotion at that point. And that was a self-preservation act. And I was thinking about this. I've got all these photos from that time and you would have no idea. Like just no clue, this fresh-faced, red-haired, bright-eyed, 20-something, you know, moving along in the world, excited, ambitious. Like these were all these descriptors that other folks would use around me. That was not it at all. That wasn't the case whatsoever at the time. So having one person and just one connect with me on a deeper level started a, a healing journey that I never could have anticipated. That's a pretty intense moment, mid-20s. Otherwise, I would just, I would say when I was in my mid-teens and I finally started to express my emotions a bit more around what was going on with mom. She sat me down and point blank articulated that she had every intention of being around for as long as she could be. And I know there's like now saying that back, there's like, <laughs> oh boy. But at the time that mattered, that mattered a lot because I was so afraid that she wasn't going to be around for any amount of time. I think little kid Rosie and teenage Rosie didn't fully understand the situation. And that clarified new life in what was to come. But I also was like, she's going to be around for a while. Got to figure this out. I got to have a different kind of career, like just in case she'll need something. So a few other things came out of that too. I've worked remotely for a long time. It does speak volumes though, when you're talking about these ages of these milestones compared to the pattern of growth for a lot of young people. Your centimeter reference maybe gave you away that you're a fellow Canadian. Nah. Yeah, because right? like experiences on ages and stages are different all over the world. But generally, a lot of humans here in North America at the ages you're talking about are not thinking about other people. One of the attributes of North American teenagers, and I can speak to myself at that age. I wasn't in that place yet. Now I definitely look at the world and look at other people and how my choices will impact them and what choices can I make to best serve the people around me who rely on me. But at that age, most people don't have somebody who relies on them and 
it sounds like somehow you were able to come to that place where not only did you see that there would be a need, Mm -hmm. but fully acknowledging that you met that need because not everybody will. Yeah. I mean, it's a choice. I could have had a different approach. And don't get me wrong. As a teen, there were many facets of Rosie, including, oh my God, I've got to get my hair looking really nice and straight today. By the way, I have curly, naturally curly hair. Oh my God. What shoes am I wearing? I don't go shoe shopping unless I need to now. Like, I think that can be part of the, the process of growing up. But to your point, one of the differences is at 10 years old, I was given my first dose of uncertainty and that started to inform my choices moving forward. It also sounds like that conversation, if I'm hearing correctly, was a bit of a gift because in this swirl of uncertainty, your mom was able to sit with you and give you one piece. There's so much that she doesn't have control of, you don't have control of, including the mental health piece and all of that, but that she was making a conscious commitment to you that she was going to be here with you as long as she could. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Agreed. I think that it's important to pause here for a second and acknowledge that you're 31. This has been a 21-year journey, and there may be people listening who are at day two of a similar journey of being a caregiver or loving somebody who is existing with a now-diagnosed chronic illness. And the thing about chronic illness, too, is that it's not always going to be a parent. It could be a child. It could be a sister. It could be a friend. To pause here, is there something that you would share specifically to the people that are at that place in the journey? Because like you've shared, this coming to this place where you're able to find and balance the heavy and the light and see the sunshine, all Mm -hmm. those things, Mm -hmm. is a place you've come to. Is that correct of me to articulate? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's also a place that I work to maintain. That's part of it. I mean, there are daily practices that come into this that I certainly wasn't remotely close to doing at the beginning. Because at the beginning for me, it was it just wasn't about that. It was about, frankly, at the beginning, the word fight would be the right word to describe how myself and my family felt toward the situation. And 20 odd years later, gosh, fighting for 20 years Yeah, there's been no moment during this time where my family and myself have lost sight of the fact that a cure could become available for my mom. Anything is possible. But I would say it took me a minute because, again, I was young, but I would say late 20s, sort of like at 27, I had a wonderful birthday experience with my mom it was her birthday and we were just hanging out we were having cups of coffee together sitting relaxing laughing and I said to myself you know what my life will continue to look different than a lot of other people's lives but that doesn't mean that it's any worse nor any better it's mine and I can approach it with dignity and compassion and curiosity or I can choose to do the opposite. Because sometimes 
the moments that I get with my mom that could for others be huge celebratory moments in life, sometimes those are cups of coffee for us. I don't know if I, if I know anyone outside of the group of people whose lives are part of the chronic illness journey. I don't know if I know anyone who can appreciate a damn good cup of coffee any more than us. So if it was day one for me again as an adult, I'm gonna say for perspectives just for the for just for the sake of our, our chat today, I would say that over the coming years, life may change a lot. You may feel like you don't quite fit all of the relationships that you've had around you up until this point that things have changed. That's okay because this is an evolving situation and there is an intangible richness to experiencing life the way that we do. I think that we can go to the ends, the ends of the universe, whatever you want to describe it as, in terms of our love. When we choose to, to go on a journey with someone who lives with a chronic illness and we choose to love them and they choose to love us too, it's deeply fulfilling. That's what I would say. Thank you for that. I hope it lands for, again, anybody who's starting that journey. Family dynamics are interesting. So sometimes <laughs> they get more complicated. Okay. And sometimes people that your biological family members don't end up playing the roles that you thought they would or hoped they would. But what can happen is other folks can step in and become like family, chosen family. This is exactly what happened to me and what happens to many others, actually. And that's pretty awesome. And I will say this, too. If you feel like swearing, you should do that. Go ahead. Swearing is caring, but expression matters. There are points in this journey, especially heavily felt at the beginning, where it feels like you're losing yourself in everything that's going on with your loved human. And time can be an extraordinary teacher around this. I think sometimes we need people in our lives who can remind us of that and can show us where things can go later. We need people to sort of say, okay, this is where it is now, but this moment ends. This tricky stuff does when it's in its full fervor that full fervor can come to completion. And so I would want to say that as well. The heightened anxiety, the struggle with communication toward other family, other friends, coworkers, strained relationships as a result, lack of remembering anything about taking care of oneself to the point where self-care is just a joke. Like that's just so silly and ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. These can be parts of the experience. They're parts. They're not finite. And moments can pass. New ones can enter your vision. One thing that struck me both in what you shared earlier and what you're sharing there is having the support for the support. Mm -hmm. Right. And you, you use the word choose or chosen more than once. And it sounds like that's a, a really important theme in the support for the support, because there's a huge difference. And again, I'm not speaking in to my experience with chronic illness, but in difficult times in life, 
in general when people are there because on some level they feel like they have to be versus when they've chosen to tap in and support and be there? Yeah. I mean, there's the we don't have to. Some people feel like there's a there's society would love to say that there's an obligation to do this. No, there isn't a legal obligation to do this. And the thing is that, oh man, there are points where it can feel obligatory. And when those moments overwhelm us, I'm not going to lie, it's happened to me too, when things are really, really rough and it feels like I just want to get out, like, is this what life is forever? So in those moments... What I've found is that I come back to a choice that I made that had its foundation in a love for my mom and the love that she feels for me. It's mutual. It's reciprocal. It is deeply felt. And returning to that, the obligation, any sense of that that I feel gets the f- away from me because it's not true. This is a very deep personal choice between humans love each other so so i'll say about that i can't add anything to that it's beautiful on its own so again this kind of plays into what we've just been talking about quite a bit but what do you wish people understood about what it's like to be you in the world i wish people understood that although this conversation did center around this experience of chronic caregiving that I have many other facets to me that are part of who I am, that are embodied. Music, love for laughter, love for great coffee. I've done lots of writing in my career and I've loved that. An ability to make a quick remark when needed. The ability to listen, to sit and really be there when people share something that's important to them. All of these facets, although they are maybe employed as part of the chronic caregiving journey, those are also separate from it. They make me who I am. And so that's what I'd want people to know and something I would love for people to consider about chronic caregivers in their lives. Oftentimes we have this one image of what that can look like, but I hope that, I mean, I know you can't see me on the on video, but I hope that now you know I'm 31, I'm young. I hope that for some, this perspective of what a chronic caregiver is just went away because we are all sorts of things as part of being a chronic caregiver, but also in addition to that. Also, I love cats. We should mention that (laughs) you have a cat named Eric who is 17. Yes. (laughs) That's notable. Thank you. I've kept him alive for many, many a moon and he is zany as ever. I love that. It does sound also like a good point to circle back to those other people who are chronic caregivers that they are more than that and I use air quotes lightly than that one piece of their being or role or whatever word that we want to use because it Mm -hmm. sounds like at the moments where things are really intense that a person can lose sight of the other pieces and layers of what makes them them yeah Absolutely. And they are still there. They are just lying in secret for a moment, just waiting to come back out again. Or dialing back a piece in order to dial up another piece mm-hmm. to, to be in whatever it is that they need to be in at that time. Yep. If I could grant you the power to help shift people's perceptions 
what would you help them see, hear, or become aware of? I think I would, I can't stand this phrase. It's overused, but I think I'll circle back. (laughs) Corporate phrase to what we talked about at the beginning around the nuance behind unpredictability. I think in general in society, there's a pretty significant fear around uncertainty. And I hope after this conversation that we've had today, you will take a look at uncertainty with a curious perspective. I like that. And it ties in again to the beginning when you talked about fighting that a lot of times we try to mitigate risk if we want to go to corporate speak or hedge our bets, do whatever we can to remove the uncertainty instead of acknowledging that we can't. Mm -hmm. The uncertainty is a permanent part of the equation that you can't factor out, that you can't rewrite to remove. It's there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Love it. Two final questions before we have a little bit of fun with some rapid fire. What hurts your heart right now? Oh boy. Uh, That's a great question. Right now, I will take it to a hot button topic because why not? Right now, people are living very different lifestyles in relation to the five billionth, six billionth COVID surge. And what hurts my heart? How am I going to phrase this? I have to think about it. What hurts my heart is that there aren't more people like my friend Courtney. This person just floored me with her level of understanding in terms of my personal situation. I mean, now y'all have probably figured out there's a good chance Rosie's mom is immunocompromised. Yes, she is. So that has affected my life greatly and my mom's life as well. And pretty recently, I turned down attending a couple of supper invitations that this friend had sent me. One of them was for a larger gathering and another one was for just a few people. And uh, it was indoors and just where things are at right now. Personal risk assessment, if you will. It's just not part of the situation. It's not part of my choice isn't a yes to that. My choice is a no. And so I was concerned about how she was going to react to that. And this woman, the reason I say my heart hurts because there aren't more people who have friends like Courtney in the world is because her reaction to this, me saying no and explaining why and explaining that I feel that our friendship goes far beyond any one or two supper dates. Her reaction was she brought me flowers. And she said, spring is almost here. Not just the season, but the spring of life. That kind of understanding. I think we need more of that right now. Love you, Courtney. If you're listening, I'm sending this to you. You're, you're, you have to listen, but I'm not going to tell you why. I love that she's going to have to listen like all the way through to the end to get the rest of her. Well played, Rosie. Well played. That is beautiful. It plays in nicely to the second half of that question, which is what gives you hope? 
Oh my gosh, guess what? Courtney, people like Courtney. More Courtney's in the world, please. That sure does. That kind of understanding and compassion and commitment to such a fulfilling friendship. In the context of COVID, boy, that gives me lots of hope. My nose is red from hope. The beauty, it sounds like it's the magic that happens when someone can meet you where you are in terms of your comfort level, all the things. They're not trying to push you forward, not trying to pull you in a different direction. It sounds as though she was really able to meet you exactly where you are in a way that she brought you an actual bouquet of hope, which is like absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Shout out to you, Courtney. From me as well. Thank you for being a good human. That was a lovely way to finish on that main conversation. Because I'm a bit of a goofball, you know, I have a couple of rapid fire fun questions. Okay. Okay. First rapid fire question is, if time, money, COVID, all the things weren't an issue and you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you go? Easy. Iceland. I'd get my Vina Tarta. Done. Boom. (laughs) If you had the power of time travel for one day. And you could travel to the future or the past, what would you choose? Ooh, I would travel to the past and I would have supper, not with my grandpa on my dad's side, who I talked about earlier, who's Icelandic, but I'd have a meal with my other grandpa on my mom's side. It's so interesting that our conversation, I think food and (laughs) family and experiences are so closely tied. Um, And it wasn't our plan. Last question. What's one song that inspires you and lifts you up when you're feeling down? Mm, Hold on. I've got a playlist. Hold on. Hold on. Let's see. Shout out to Apple Music. Please sponsor this. Okay. I'm just checking my playlist here. Oh, I just, this is funny. I just clicked the playlist and then didn't need to open it up because the answer is here. Glorious by Macklemore. Oh, that's a good one. Love this song. Thank you very much for coming on and being so open to having this conversation and bravely sharing some of some, because I know it's not all of the experience of what it's been like to be you so far and to exist in the world. I really appreciate it. Oh, well, it's been an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Good Human Project. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it. I would really appreciate it. And it also helps other good humans find this show. To learn more about the Good Human Project, visit www.goodhumanproject.co. Until next time, be kind, patient, and gracious with yourself and each other.